Grace, mercy, and peace are most certainly yours, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. From God, our Heavenly Father, through Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. Well, uh, one of my favorite Disney movies of all times is Latin. You know, the, the original one, the cartoon version, where Robin Williams is, is the genie. I love that movie. It's full of great quotable lines and catchy songs. But there's one line in particular that stands out uh, in my mind as I was thinking about our topic for today, uh, the conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't remember the, the, the movie, what happens is Aladdin gets tricked into this cave of wonders and he finds uh, the lamp with the genie, and, and all this stuff happens, and then he tricks the genie into getting him out of the cave of wonders where he's stuck uh, without using uh, a wish, and it's, oh, that's awesome. And then he's talking with the genie, and they're getting to know each other as they figure out their next steps together as kind of master and, and genie. And so the genie describes his existence in this way. Phenomenal cosmic powers. Itty bitty living space. Well, as, as we begin Lent, uh, as we go through the next six Sundays in Lent, uh, we're going to be doing a series on what is traditionally called the humiliation of Christ. Now, that's not talking about some situation where Jesus was really embarrassed about something. Uh, no, it's talking about the fact that the eternal Son of God took on human flesh. He, he gave up his divine rights and became humanity to become human with us and for us. It's talking about the Son of God demonstrating the greatest act of humility ever for you. And so Jesus, in a sense, is giving up his phenomenal cosmic powers to take up the itty-bitty living space of a human existence. But it's really so much more than that. So over the next six Sundays, we're going to be meditating on these six steps, as it's often called, of the humiliation of Christ. We're going to be digging into this portion of the Apostles' Creed where we confess that Jesus Christ our Lord was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Throughout the history of the church, Christians have found significance in these particular aspects of the life of Christ, of the Son of God become flesh for you and for me, for our salvation. So let's spend just a few minutes this morning thinking about the conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've had occasion to live in a number of places throughout my life. Uh, I certainly didn't, I haven't moved as much as other people that I know. Uh, but I've been in smaller accommodations and larger accommodations, and in particular, my transition uh, from my former career to seminary stands out in my mind. I had a full house, uh, multiple bedrooms, bed bathrooms, the like, and then I moved to a dorm room that I shared with another dude. And now, I went through undergrad 
living at home, so I, I had never been through this dorm experience. And it, it was fine. I had a, a really great roommate who actually wasn't there most of the time, uh, but I had this little space, and I actually kind of liked the challenge of figuring out how to place the furniture that, th that was provided and where to put my stuff so that it would all kind of fit and not get in the way and this sort of thing. And then my second year in seminary, I moved off campus and I shared an apartment with a couple of my classmates. Now, the, on paper, this apartment was three bedrooms, uh, but if you were to see it, well, let's just say my room was really a converted sunroom. It really wasn't meant to be a bedroom. It was probably no bigger than 10 feet by 15 feet, and that's probably stretching it. Uh, and there was really no temperature control. Uh, I mean, I was sweating when I first moved in, and then I was freezing when winter hit. But I made it work. I, I piecemealed this thing together. I got a wire uh, a set of shelves, and I got a, a rolling bar to hang up my clothes. I got the cheapest bed I could find, and, and I got a, a, a window AC unit from someone that they were offloading. I, I put this thing together, and I made it work. And as I was doing that, I would try to remind myself to, to be humble and to not complain and not think about how great it was in the past and how, oh, now I'm in this tiny room where you can barely move. But here's the thing. Even in the midst of trying to make that work and, and trying to put the best construction on things, I, I still found that my sinful nature was weaseling its way in. I still found ways to be proud of how clever I was in trying to get everything to fit and how little I could really do without. I'm so much better than all these people with all this stuff. See, that's our, our sinful inclination, is to think in those terms of how much stuff, how much space we have. And if I don't have it, well, then I'm going to compensate with my cleverness. But we can see in Jesus giving up his divine nature, and he didn't give it up, let me be clear, he doesn't get rid of his divine nature, but in, in giving up the vast heavenly realm, the infiniteness of his being, to come down and to confine himself into the tiny space of a woman's womb, we can see some humility there. There is an aspect of humility in that. But it's so much more than just a space issue. You see, St. Paul writes in our Old Test, in our epistle lesson this morning, uh, the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, he writes that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, something to be held on to for advantage. In other words, Jesus gave up his title, his privilege of being God Almighty, his phenomenal cosmic powers, so that he could take on the limited being of human flesh. And this he did forever. This wasn't some temporary situation where he said, okay, I can put up with a little dorm room for a year or two. 
And he doesn't treat it like a jacket that you just put on and an hour later I can take off. No. Jesus came and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a real woman's womb. And he was born a human baby boy. And he will never leave that human nature behind. So as we meditate on that this morning, we're confronted with living in an age where the usual, the normal, the typical is seen as bad. That's boring. We always need something new and exciting, something bold. But God comes to us with his word this morning and says, no, I've designed a normal way for life to be created, for human life to be created in this world. And he sends his son through that normal way to affirm and honor that normal way that he has created. See, normal is not bad. We talk about uh, sunrises and sunsets. God ordered the sun, moon, and the stars in our planet so that we see these incredible sunrises and sunsets. They're so beautiful. I've heard people talk about them and refer to them as miracles. But friends, that's just the normal course of things. That's just how God ordered the celestial bodies. That is normal. Now, it's certainly majestic, or we might call them marvels, marvels of creation. And there are a lot of these marvelous experiences in life, and God gives those to us as normal things so that we can delight in them. And one of those normal but marvelous ways of life is conception, the way that life is created and begins to grow. And so Jesus comes and he honors the marvel of human conception through his miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit. And in our scientific minds, we try to go and parse out how this works. But the simple fact is, friends, that because this is a miracle and in many ways a mystery, it defies our scientific inquiry. And instead, it invites us to simply marvel and wonder at the humility of the eternal Son of God to let go of his title and his privilege and to confine himself to becoming not only Son of God, but also Son of Man. But it's not just the normal and the typical, uh, the usual that we kind of condescend on. We also have this issue where we're in love with our minds. And so, as I was putting together my thoughts for this sermon, I'm typing in Microsoft Word, and it kept popping up. I would talk about, I would write, the conception of Jesus, and it would say, did you mean the concept of Jesus? No, Word. No, Microsoft. You see, see let's parse out, it's, it's a grammar trick, right? Let's parse that out a little bit. 
I'm talking about the verb, the action by which life is created, this marvel and this mystery that God has put into creation. And it's telling me, do you want to talk about a concept, this, this noun, this thing that comes from our heads? No, Jesus is not a concept. Jesus does not come to you as an abstract notion. He comes to you in real flesh and blood. What's the point? The point is that we get so enamored with the thoughts, the creations of our own mind that we fall in love with it and we treat our bodies as if they're sacks of meat that can be tossed aside. Uh, I forgot to mention this in in first service, but I I was talking to someone before service. I had this little teachable moment. We're we're just talking and, and... this person made an offhand comment, and I'm sure they weren't really thinking much of it, but it's the idea of uh, when Jesus will come back and then will escape the troubles of being human. No! No, Jesus doesn't come to deny our humanity. He comes to affirm our humanity and to say being human is good because God created us to be good. What Jesus does is to come and to make us fully human without sin. Sin is the problem, not our human nature. And so Jesus takes on our human nature to redeem it from sin. That, the sin, that is the problem. And so because Jesus came and truly, really took on human flesh, it's not an illusion, it's not a joke, it's not just some, some concept, he really, truly took on your human flesh so that he would raise it up, elevate it, and honor our fleshly, bodily experience. See, God created the world, he created humans, and he said, It is good, very good, good enough to buy back from its broken, sinful, self-deceiving ways. So that's what the Father did by sending his Son to buy us back, to buy you and me back from the sinful ways that we were stuck in. And so Jesus comes to be one of us, And he begins with conception. He takes on our whole human experience from the very beginning. He doesn't just pop into existence. He says, no, this is good. And so he takes on our whole experience except for sin. And so the Holy Spirit works this miracle so that Jesus does not inherit the sin of our forefathers, Adam. And the Holy Spirit would continue to be with Jesus, to work with him throughout his whole life, his ministry, even through his death, so that Jesus would humble himself, humble himself before the Father, even to the point of death. He was the perfect, humble servant for you. He was the perfectly humble servant that you were meant to be. But because of sin, you cannot be. And so, because Jesus did humble himself for you, God, as our text says, humbled. God raised him up. 
You see, we, we read through verse 8 in Philippians 2, but if you were to continue on the next two verses, St. Paul, you would hear him saying this, that because Jesus has humbled himself to the point of death, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, friends, you are not Jesus. His name is above your name. But because you are united to Jesus, he has taken on your flesh, and you are united to him through your baptism, you also are raised up with him. And because Jesus took on human flesh for all people, for all human life, not just those are here, but all human life, we too ought to honor and hold sacred life in all its forms, no matter how old or young, no matter how big or small, no matter what it looks like, however abled or disabled it looks like. All life has been honored because of Christ's miraculous and marvelous conception. So let us also give thanks to God for our own lives, for the lives around us, and may we honor all life because of what he has done for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.